0: She was not waiting for me to start this morning, was she? I'm running down the side aisle. Good morning. 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 Welcome to Northminster Church this morning, on this Sunday after Thanksgiving. Hope everybody had a lovely holiday. And whether you're in person or joining us online, we are glad that you are here, and we are warmed by your presence. So thank you for being here this morning. Several announcements for you as we begin. The first is to say welcome. To anyone who's visiting with us, we're particularly glad that you are here. Oh, sorry, I'm out of breath. I really was running. Uh, I'm usually in my seat. Uh, if you are new this morning, we hope that you'll participate in all aspects of our worship service, including communion. Uh, we do have gluten-free wafers available if that's something you need. Um, so as you come up for communion, just get my attention. I'll make sure that you can get one of those. And if you have not been with us before, I really can't catch my breath with this baby. (sighs) Uh, Okay, that's better. Uh, If you have not been with us before, we celebrate communion here at Northminster every week. There are instructions on the insert to your order of worship, or just follow the people around you, they won't lead you wrong. Uh, What else do I need to tell you? I got a call this morning. Those of you who know Jeff Sebastian, one of our newer members, his mother is having emergency surgery. She is in Fort Smith, Arkansas, so he is on his way there right now. She has an intestinal blockage. um, And uh, Seth called and asked if we, because they all live together, uh, asked that we would be in prayer for her. We're going to add her to the prayer list. But again, this is Jeff Sebastian's mother, Mary. Mary. So please be in prayer for her. You will see on the insert to your order of worship the upcoming events, including uh, Messiah, which is coming up very soon. Then the 17th, we have our Chili Supper and the Youth Play, which I know the kids have been working very hard on. I heard some really good singing this morning, guys, so I think it's going to be great. And then, of course, on the 24th, which is a Sunday, we will have our normal uh, morning worship service, and then we will also have our candlelight Uh, Christmas Eve service at 6pm. So mark your calendars for those things as they will be here before we know it. Now I'm going to ask that we take a deep breath together. If you're like me, you came flying in last night after a week with family. Um, Not a lot of time to rest between this morning and Thanksgiving, which is a wonderful thing, but can leave us tired and doesn't always give us a lot of time to Steady ourselves and center ourselves. So take a deep breath. If it helps you to close your eyes, feel free to do so. Plant your feet on the floor. Feel how nice and solid and firm the floor is beneath your feet. As you breathe out, breathe out your to-do list. We are headed into the wonderful chaos of the Christmas season. So breathe out that shopping list. Breathe out the Christmas dinner plans that in my family have already started. Breathe in again, let that breath comfort you, let it settle you, let it center you, and as you breathe out a final time, know that no matter how you're feeling today, what you bring with you, you are loved by God just as you are. And then if you would, please join me for our call to worship. God's word stands forever. God's word stands forever. God's word stands forever. morning, young friends. How are you? It's just the four of us today, so we're going to be nice and have a nice conversation. Oh, here comes a bee. Come on, bee. Come on down. Oh, here come more friends. Okay, so it's not just the four of us today. So did everybody have a nice Thanksgiving? Yes. Did you eat good food? Yeah. Um, Did anybody spend lots of time with their family? How about people who aren't technically part of your family? Did anybody who wasn't part of the family come over? So that's what I want to talk about today, is how we define what we talk about as family. Because uh, our friend Charles, who's in the choir, I don't know if you all know Mr. Charles, he came with me to see my family. Now, Charles and I are not biologically related. That means we don't have the same mom or dad. But he became part of our family this week. Uh, for better or worse, he became part of our family this week. And we were able to have him with us and treated him just like family when we played dominoes. We played anybody play dominoes before? So we play dominoes and we get together and we were nice to him this time. But we told him now that he's family, we're not gonna be so nice. And it was wonderful. So I'm wondering, when you think about family, do you think about people who have the same mom and dad, necessarily? No. Do you think about people who all look the same? No. No. And if you do, it's okay. But the important thing about family is that even though Charles and I went to see my family, when we come here every Sunday, we also see family. So why don't you turn and look at all these people. Do you look like any of these people? Some of you look like your parents, but do you look like any of these people necessarily? Nah, all right, turn on face me. But are they your family? They are your family. They're your church family. And you can count on them to help you. You can count on them to help take care of you. You can count on them if you're doing something wrong. Yeah, I saw it. Then they might correct you and help you make a better choice. You can count on them to help you when you're hungry, right? Those of you who came to VBS, they gave, we gave you food. You can count on them to teach you. So this is as much of a family as the people we spend Thanksgiving with. And that's what I want you to remember this week is that all of these people here are family, even if you don't look alike. Can you remember that? Okay. Now I want you to turn around, face your family, Face the congregation, stay seated on your bottoms, please. Keep your hands in your lap. Ricky on your bottom, please, ma'am. Thank you. Sit up nice and straight and tall. Nice and straight and tall. Very tall. And I will say the first line of our prayer, and you say it back to me nice and loud. Adults, you're welcome to join in. I see the face of God in you.
1: I see the face of God in you.
0: The love of Christ comes shining through. and I am blessed to be with you. And
1: I am blessed to be with you.
0: O holy child of God. O holy child of God. Amen. You can go back to your seats now. Thank you.
1: To Luke. When Jesus was at the table with them, he took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. And they said to each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he was talking to us on the road, while he was opening the scriptures to us? The gospel of our Lord to God.
0: let's pray together god like the israelites in the wilderness we too have known your love and experienced your care and provision you invite us to extend that love to the world around us to care for others as deeply as we care for ourselves and so we bring the needs of our world before you now in your mercy hear our prayer We pray for the many who do not have enough, enough food to eat or shelter to keep warm, enough employment or money to pay their bills, enough medicine or medical care. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We also pray for those who have more than enough, but who still struggle to find meaning and purpose in life, who indulge in dangerous or self-serving activities to dull their pain or loneliness. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. God, your grace reaches out to all of us. You call us to live as citizens of heaven, working together with one heart and mind. So we ask this morning that you strengthen us to live in a manner worthy of the good news we have received, offering our lives in service of your kingdom, where the last are first and the first are last, and there is grace enough for all. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer as we pray in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. reading from 2 Kings. Josiah was eight years old when he became king, and he reigned for 31 years in Jerusalem. Now he did what was right, and walked in all the ways of his father David, and turned not aside to the right or the left. It came to pass, in the 18th year of King Josiah's reign, that the king sent Shaphan, the scribe, to the house of the Lord, saying, Go up to the high priest Hilkiah. And have him add up the entire sum of the silver that has been brought into the house of the Lord, that the keepers of the threshold have collected from the people. Let it be given into the hands of the workers who have the oversight of the house of the Lord, and let them use it to buy timber and quarried quarried stone to repair the house. No accounting shall be asked from them for the silver that is delivered into their hand, for they deal honestly." The high priest said to Shaphan the scribe, I have found a scroll of the Torah in the house of God. So he gave the scroll to Shaphan who read it. Then Shaphan came to the king saying, Your servants have emptied out the silver that was found in the house of the Lord and have given it into the hand of the workmen appointed to oversee the work. And he also told the king, The high priest has given me a scroll. Then Shaphan read it before the king. After the king heard the words of the Torah scroll, he tore his clothes. Then the king commanded the high priest, Go, inquire of God for me, for the people, and for all of Judah about the words of the scroll that was found. For great is the wrath of God that is kindled against us, since our fathers have not obeyed the words of this book to do everything written here that concerns us. So the men went to the prophetess Huldah and spoke with her. And she said to them, Tell the king of Judah who sends you to inquire of me. Thus says the God of Israel. As for the words that you have heard, because your heart, O king, was softened, and you humbled yourself before me when you heard what I spoke against this place and against its inhabitants, and because you have torn your clothes and wept before me, I have also heard you. Therefore, behold... I will gather you to your fathers, and you will be gathered to your grave in Shalom, so your eyes will not see all the disaster I am bringing on this place. The men then brought the word back to the king. The king sent for all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem, and went up to the house of God with all the men of Judah and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem. There he read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant, which was found in the house of God. Then the king stood by the pillar and cut a covenant before God to follow God, keep God's commandments, laws, and decrees with all their heart and soul in order to fulfill the words of the covenant that were written in this scroll. So all the people stood for the covenant. My friends, this is a story of sacrifice and cutting covenants. Thanks Thanks be to God. And with that read, here is where I make a confession. I don't have the sermon that goes along with that scripture. I wrote it. I can't find it. It didn't save. It's in the cloud somewhere. I will probably find it next week. So I have had to go to plan B. Um, this has never happened to me before, by the way, and I'm pretty embarrassed. But most preachers have a back pocket sermon in case the worst happens, in case your nightmare comes real, which this is. Um, So I apologize. I know that that sounded like a really fun story to dig into. Uh, (laughs) All about a hidden scroll in a wall. Um, I can't give you that sermon today. So I'm going to give you my back pocket sermon, my in case of emergency, pull the ripcord sermon. It's this one. I hope you don't think it's any less sincere than what I had prepared, but I didn't have it memorized, so I can't offer it back to you, and instead, this is just going to be a, a homily about uh, Jesus this morning, and I think it might be a little happier and a little more positive than the original sermon, and I think we could all use that, so if you would, let's pray together. O God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, and may we hear a word from you today. Amen. In the book, This Odd and Wondrous Calling, The Public and Private Life of Two Ministers, Martin Copenhaver, one of the two authors of the book, tells the story of encountering a historian of evangelism who defined evangelism as chatting about Jesus. Jesus. Copenhaver says the historian followed this definition with the question, when was the last time you told your congregation, speaking to ministers, what Jesus means to you? He then goes on to tell that he was haunted by this question for though he as a preacher talked about Jesus often, which is kind of our job, we talk about Jesus a lot, talking about something or someone is quite different from expressing devotion. It is the difference between talking about a loved one and sending a love letter. So with this difference in mind, Copenhaver uses the final sermon at a congregation he had served for over nine years to tell them what Jesus meant to him. At the end of the service, as people are coming through to shake his hand, he says that a beloved saint of the church approached him and she was overcome with emotion. When she was finally able to speak, she grasped his hand, and with tears in her eyes and a cracking voice, asks, why didn't you tell us this before? Friends, this morning, I want to tell you what Jesus means to me. I want to tell you why and how I love Jesus, which is the title of this homily. I want to express my devotion to God, and I want to share it with you in part because I think we need to remember with everything going on in the world and especially around the holidays, we need to remember what's important. But mostly I want to share this devotional time with you because we're headed into my second year here as your pastor as far as celebrating Advent, and it couldn't hurt us to think about evangelism a little bit. Now, the e-word evangelism is a loaded one, can make us very uncomfortable. I usually tell people that don't know about Northminster that we're quiet in our evangelism. We're more the, they will know we are Christians by our love sort than the stand on a street corner and yell at people sort. But if you don't mind me being a little self-indulgent, I want to chat with you. I want to do evangelism with you about Jesus. I love Jesus because the person And teachings of Jesus challenge me. Now, this is a bit newer, uh, a newer facet to my relationship with God that I've discovered over the past few years of weekly preaching and children's sermons, which are harder than you might think. For just as there is a difference between talking about someone and showing devotion, there is a difference between knowing a story, like Noah's Ark, and actually having something to say about it to a group of people. And in that needing 52-somethings to say for the 52 weeks of the year, I've discovered that I didn't know Jesus as well as I thought I did. He is at once more complex. Think of his parables, his treatment of his own family. He's more complex than I ever appreciated and more straightforward than I had ever paid attention to. Consider Jesus' words about loving God and loving our neighbor as ourself. It doesn't get much more simple than that. I can't tell you why Jesus calls a woman a dog, which he does, or why he didn't choose smarter, more aware disciples. They never get it. I can't make the cognitive dissonance of being commanded to sell everything we have and follow Jesus while we're seated comfortably in our beautiful church or when we snuggle up at night in our safe, clean beds. I can't make that make sense for you. There is no softening of Jesus' words, for I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me in. That's Matthew 25. I can't take that blow away when it comes to immigration. And I can't wrap my head around the exclusion of women, people of color, in the LGBTQ community, when many are Christ followers, and even if they aren't, and especially when, as Christians, our own beginnings included exclusion, marginalization, martyrdom, exile. But I'm convinced that Christ is present in our wrestling, whatever, that, whatever form that takes. I'm convinced that Christ affirms our effort to be cruciform people. I am convicted by the words of Jesus that still change hearts and minds over 2,000 years after he spoke them. And I am inspired by the person of Jesus I've discovered through sharing my ongoing conversations with him to you. That's what preaching is, after all. For me, Jesus means there's always more room at the table. Whether people are lifelong members or part time friends, we each change and reform the ever expanding body of Christ. The gifts and interests God gives each of us can't help but be brought into this place where we gather, if we're doing church right, as our true selves. Not our best selves. I want you to hear me clearly. Not our best selves not our most polished selves, not even our best behaved selves sometimes, but our true selves, which are laid bare before the knowing presence of our creator. Church is the place where everyone gets to belong, but the inherent catch is that definition, in that definition is that space must be made for anyone who walks in the door. Church is the place where everyone gets to belong, But the inherent catch in that definition is that space must be made for anyone who walks in the door. We have to scoot our chairs over and reconfigure our seating arrangement so that everyone has room at the table because as I say to you every week, we are seated at Christ's table. And at Christ's table, all are welcome without hesitation. Of course, the scooting and shuffling isn't easy. Often, it is uncomfortable, and sometimes it's downright frustrating. Finding the balance between tradition and innovation takes time, and we get it wrong often. And yet, Christ calls us to gather around his table over and over again as equals, as children of God, as the body of Christ. And speaking of children... I love Jesus because I see him in our children and youth. Now that probably sounds like the kind of thing a pastor's supposed to say, and it probably is, but if you've been here and seen one of our children, one of our youth read, you've seen a holy moment. If you have watched our kids during the children's message enthusiastically share their thoughts, you've seen the church at work. When we're able to gather, and celebrate our children being baptized I hope you will remember your own baptisms as they are pushed under and then raised from entirely ordinary yet holy water which is the water of baptism now growing up in a small but exceedingly close-knit church family I remember what it felt like to know there was a place for me at church how special that was It is a large part of the reason I knew that I could be a pastor even in deep east Texas. That special group of people helped raise me and thanks be to God, I feel the same love and second nature inclusion here. I was reminded yesterday that Jesus means music to me. To put put it a better way, God exists uniquely in music. It's possible to feel the Spirit move through music in a way that doesn't happen even with the most profound words I could think of. Music moves us and speaks the truth of our hearts even when we don't have words for what we're feeling. That's why singing together in church, and I encourage you all to sing together in church, when we raise our voices in song, whether we're choir material or tone deaf, and it's okay if you're tone deaf. When we do that, we are finding another way of reaching beyond ourselves to God. A few years ago, I volunteered during COVID to help my music director uh, lead a virtual hymn sing, which was us on YouTube, him playing the piano, people writing in their requests. All I really did was sit on the floor and hand him hymnals so he didn't have to turn pages. But in that time, as you all remember, it was healing for me to sit there and listen to that music, and I realized how much I needed it. I needed to sit on the floor and let the words and the notes wash over me. I needed to remember that people loved all of these different hymns and what they meant to them. I needed to feel close to my church family as hymns I knew to be their favorites were played. And to stand between the church where I grew up and the Melody of Amazing Grace, which is their theme song, and the church where I was working at the time that loved the work of Robert Lowry, who wrote Shall We Gather at the River and was once their pastor. I needed that myself. I said in the beginning, this entire homily is my back pocket homily, but it's also self-indulgent. Because for me, today's good news is twofold. First, in my almost, well, year and a half of being your pastor, there has been a whirlwind of learning, changing, meeting new people, and growing together. I am thankful for each and every minute and for each of you. That's good news. The second part of the good news is that Christ Jesus is ultimately in charge, ultimately relational, and unendingly loving. I hope wherever you are and however you're feeling today, you can celebrate that good news with me. And I want to end and leave you with a quote from Martin Copenhaver, the man I mentioned at the beginning. He said this in a sermon, and I think it's inspired. Here's what he said. I want to profess that though once people could not look at the face of God and live, now we are invited to look at the face of God in him, in Jesus, and live as we have never lived before. Especially as we head into this Advent season, it is important to remember that he is Emmanuel, God with us, God with all of us, whether we are together or apart. That's what it's all about. That's all I know. Oh, how I love Jesus because he first loved me, and you, and all of us. Thanks be to God. their Wheaties today. Thank you. That was beautiful. (laughs) Friends, as we come to this time of communion, we remember that this is the table of the heavenly feast, the joyful celebration of God. Christ invites everyone to eat of the bread of life and to drink of the cup of the new covenant. For as Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Those who come to me shall never hunger. Those who believe in me shall never thirst. In the beginning, God provided every plant yielding seed and every tree with seed in its fruit for food. When the Israelites were in the wilderness, God fed them with the miraculous food from heaven called manna. And then later, when crowds were hungry, Jesus fed over 5,000 people with two two fish and five loaves of bread. And then when two were walking toward Emmaus, they recognized their teacher, the anointed one, as they broke bread together. This is not my table. This is not Northminster's table. This is Christ's table. We are the guest, and Christ is the host. There is a seat here with your name on it, so kick off your walking shoes. Make yourself comfortable. We are on holy ground. All are wanted, and all are welcomed here with our doubts, our shortcomings, our failures, our griefs. No matter what you bring with you to this table, you aren't just tolerated, you are overwhelmingly welcomed and wanted. Thanks be to God for a love like that. And now if you would, please join me in the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespassed against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the nine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. The night before Jesus died was a solemn time around the table. Because of his relentless pursuit of love, he would be seized by those in power, but before he was taken, Jesus introduced this meal to his followers. For even though he knew the end was coming, Jesus gathered with those he loved best, and as the night lengthened, he took a simple portion of bread, he blessed it, he broke it, and he gave it to the disciples saying, remember me. And then in the same way, when supper was over, Jesus picked up a cup, filled it with wine, and blessed it. And during his blessing of that cup, he reminded the disciples that he would go to the ends of the earth out of love for them. My friends, Christ makes us the same promise. Thanks be to God. Amen. As a reminder, we have a fellowship time after our worship service, so do please, if you have time, stick around, get a cup of coffee, have a snack, and catch up with your church family. Now hear this benediction. May God bless you with a distaste for superficial worship, so that you will live deep within your soul. May God bless you with anger at prejudice, so that you will work for justice. May God bless you with tears for those who sorrow, so that you will offer comfort, And may God bless you with enough foolishness to believe that you can make a difference in the world. Go be salty. Amen.